Hello and welcome to the ADHD Impact Podcast. I'm Becca Brighty, business psychologist and ADHD coach who received an ADHD diagnosis at the age of 34. I've since used my professional training to understand how the ADHD brain functions and use that information to change the way I work. The purpose of this podcast is to help people to see how they can harness their ADHD brain so that they can make the impact in the world that they know that they can and to help those working with ADHD is to create environments that help everyone thrive at work. So today's guest is Nicola Jane Little, who by profession is a proud ADHDer and CEO of Celebrate Difference and the Hub Concert. Nicola is someone who's played a big part in where I am today. So um, before I was diagnosed, I spoke with Nicola about access to work because of something to do with my back, a back issue, um, and something I will be talking about access to work today. Um, but when I was talking to her about the things I'd done and some of the workarounds that I'd come up with for my back, she mentioned that a lot of the things that I was doing were things that she saw a lot in ADHDers. And well, and then she suggested, maybe this is something that we should look into together. We'll do, well, you write down all these things that you're doing every day and we'll have a chat. And I'm we'll... not able to diagnose, can I make that absolutely clear? She's not, but once you know, you kind of you like kind of get this like radar. It's just a radar vibe. So she suggested that I'll write down all my symptoms and then we would go through them together. Um, so apart from being um, part of my journey to diagnosis, the company that Nicola has set up, Celebrate Difference, has helped me with my access to work application. Mm-hmm. And that whole difficult, insanely difficult for ADHD as process was made um, possible be- for me um, because of her company. Wow. Shout out to Laura Forsyth as well. Oh, Laura and the team, but they're just magnificent, man. Well, she is my, the team's great, but she is my main person who I'm always like, Laura, what about this and what about that? And I've sent you this and can you remind me about this? And that's why she's the MD, because she's extraordinary. She is brilliant. So access to work has changed my life and my business. And um, so I wanted to invite Nicola onto the podcast so she could share her knowledge and expertise around access to work. And as well as the things she's learned from the communities that she's built and through supporting hundreds of ADHDers, as well as her own lived experience. So welcome to the podcast, Nicola. Well, thank you. What an introduction. <laughs> I'm all emotional. <laughs> yes. Hi. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So first of all, do you want to tell us a bit about your personal experience with ADHD and and what led you to setting up Celebrate Difference? Okay, well, we haven't got all day, so I'll try and keep it short. <laughs> which I'm not Just known. Just the whole podcast is <laughs> I am like, literally not known. Okay, so... After struggling for so many years in different professions, I was a school teacher, I've done loads and loads and loads of things, lived loads of places. I went self-employed 15 years ago because I needed that level of control and to work for myself in my own environment. Um, and nine businesses later, here we sit <laughs> with Celebrate Difference. I found out about myself by reading someone else's post on Facebook, as you do, you're scrolling around and if you took her name out and put my name in, that that whole list of the struggle she had was me. So, of course, the minute my husband walked in, I was like, right, I've got ADHD, I need to do something about it. And he's like, what? (laughs) Like, what? However... It was three years ago now, and at that time I managed to get through my appointments within three or four months and got my diagnosis really quickly through the ADHD Foundation. Big shout out to that team and to Tony and everything he does down there. And then I got a diagnosis of dyspraxia. Well, you can't actually get a a formal diagnosis of dyspraxia in the UK, but I have all the dyspraxic what's-its, and if you ever see me bumping into things continuously, clearly. And then now currently looking at pursuing a diagnosis of autism 
autism because I'm sick of everybody telling this. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yes, Nicola. Nicola, get those letters as well. So I have this spaghetti, alphabetic spaghetti of all the letters after my name. Um, and it does, you know, once the ADHD is... Um, is managed because I can't say treated because I can't be treated. But once you learn how to manage your ADHD in a different way, the other stuff starts like peeking up. It's like, what is that whack-a-mole thing where it's one and then it's the next and you hit that one down and then there's that. And, you know, so I'm on a journey for that next. Oh, wow. So what yeah. is it? So you said that a few people have mentioned to you, Nicola, you really <laughs> need to find out about autism. What are the symptoms that others recognise and that you recognised? It was through me, dyspraxia appointments where the level of control I have to have the level of um there was just so many things she said because I was there going why do I bump in everything why can't I remember that the end of the bed is there and I've got this plethora of bruises what is this thing with this dropping everything all the time blah 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 and, and through those assessments she was like you know and I hear what you're saying about this that and the other but I really see some autistic tendencies if you like or traits or whatever we're supposed to call them and it was through those conversations that started that thought process so it was quite interesting because you're going for one thing and then mm. this other thing is mentioned and to be fair I just I'm neurodivergent you know I've got a spiky brain that's the end of it uh -huh. um, but it's interesting to know the social problems that I have the communication issues that I have you know, fall more on the autism spectrum. So right. it was just a whole interesting time, <laughs> a whole interesting time. Yeah, well, that, um, so I think it's really, really helpful because you said you've got your diagnosis because you read someone's Facebook post yeah. about the symptoms. Yeah. Um, and so the, you, I think, in the stereotypes of what people think of as having autism, I definitely don't think you would fall into yeah. that stereotype. So are there any particular things that people are picking up on in you who know about autism yeah, yeah. and the real traits yeah. and how it shows up in women? Yeah. What If anyone's listening and thinking, oh, maybe I have autism, what would the things be for people to look out for? So in my control... I'm like spot on. So I will be the most sociable, the most gregarious, the most outgoing. You put us on a stage in front of 200 people, mm -hmm. all is fine. When that is in my control. But if I went to your networking event, mm -hmm. I would not be the same person and same character. Right. If it's my spot and I've planned it and I'm delivering it, no bother. Mm. Like absolutely no bother at all. In a different environment, which ostensibly looks the same to everybody else. There's right. a group of people in a the room, there's this, that and the other. The, obviously, when I'm doing my thing and I've planned it and I know what the outcomes are, what the objectives are, what am I trying to do, what am I trying to get, plonking me in a, a similar environment that someone else has managed and run, I, I do not cope well. Mm -hmm. To the point that I've just about almost stopped going. Mm -hmm. But when I built my business 15 years ago, I was at everything all the time. I knew mm -hmm. I had to be out there. I knew how to do it. And so it was just a necessary way to, to build business, right? Mm -hmm. So... And I didn't know what was going on and I masked very heavily and masked very, very well. I masked mm -hmm. very well. So it's interesting now that the the things I could do, I find that so strugglesome now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether that's about allowing yourself to understand that you're struggling mm -hmm. and it was buried so deep a decade mm -hmm. ago mm -hmm. that I just didn't, didn't acknowledge those feelings. Mm -hmm. The whole eye contact thing, so I can look at you because I'm talking to you, but if you're talking to me, I will start then looking away. Mm. Didn't even realise I didn't look at people properly till this year. Oh, well. Yeah. That's interesting. 
And then I'm like wandering all over the place. And then, you know, when it's my turn to speak, I know to come back. Uh-huh. But then I'll wander all over because it's just really difficult to listen to what's been said and look intensely at someone at the same time. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Little right. tiny things. There's the little tiny things. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, people think this this is one huge piece, but it's loads of little tiny interactions, communications, mm-hmm. movements. Like there's not one thing that can pin it down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, you do actually, you actually do. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's one of the struggles with ADHD is when you're looking into it and everything resonates with you, but you're like, but it's everything. It Mm -hmm. could be anything. But it's just that picture of, okay, yeah, some people are forgetful, but how much is it impacting your Mm -hmm. life? Sometimes people lose their train of thought, but how often is it happening Mm -hmm. and what impact is it actually having on you? Um, it's that thing you said um, about not being able to do stuff that you used to be able to do mm-hmm. since you've been diagnosed is something I hear all the time mm-hmm. in my coaching clients. Yeah. Like, oh, since I've been diagnosed, I'm just like, I'm so ADHD. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do anything. Like, uh, this is happening. I'm forgetting things more. And um, this happened to me with, I find reading, in, I've always found reading instructions and translating it into action very, very difficult. Since my diagnosis, it's like, everything's written in a different language and so um, I looked into it a bit and um, apparently what happens is um, as well all people have like connections in their brain linked to the things they need to do every day as a neurodivergent person the things you naturally can't do you'll often learn how to do as part of your Mm -hmm. masking yes Um, when you have a breakthrough or in therapy or a diagnosis those connections then can be broken That's really interesting. Isn't it? I was like, oh, wow, that explains it so well. So it's like, for me, for example, this thing of I need to force myself, even though it's so hard and my brain doesn't want to translate this written information into an activity, I'll look stupid because I've got someone's here. I've got these instructions in front of me. I've got to do this task. Mm -hmm. And so my brain, even though it wasn't naturally able to do it, made me do it. Once I get the diagnosis then the mask starts to come off then and those connections get, connections get broken. It's really interesting because I assumed it was permission-based, whereas before I had to do it, so I had no choice. So get on and do it. Put Your mask is there, you didn't know it's there. You, uh, and for those of you who don't know, it's like wearing your suit or armour to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. So masking is a way to stay safe. Mm-hmm. When your mask starts to slip, and you start feeling less safe or more safe in different environments to be yourself, mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's a different permission. Like, I allow mm-hmm. it. I allow myself not to go to things anymore mm-hmm. because I know it's too stressful and I, the mask is a heavy thing to have worn mm-hmm. for nearly 48 years or mm-hmm. however long. And, you know, it's... So I assumed it to be a permission-based, a self-permission-based change mm-hmm. rather than perhaps, oh, that 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 connectivity is broken now. And you almost have to relearn it. So if you mm-hmm. haven't got your armor on and if you're not safe anymore, you have to learn a different way mm-hmm. to be able to force yourself different strategies and new ways of forcing yourself to do stuff. So I, I imagine that the permission it's, thing it's, will it's be It's part in there. of it. It is because you can sit and say, right, I'm going to network and I know I've got to go. And then I'll be like, but do you really? Because I've, if I spent, I don't know, half an hour on social media, I will meet more people than I can do in a room with 100 people in mm-hmm. because of how that really really suits me Mm -hmm. so then all of a sudden you're making proper adjustments reasonable adjustments Mm -hmm. for yourself Mm -hmm. in a way that I wouldn't have done before I would have just forced myself to do it before and coped with the ramifications of that Mm -hmm. 
So there was this permission to be kinder to yourself, mm -hmm. but equally, it can never be used as an excuse. Mm -hmm. So just because I'm ADHD doesn't mean to say I can't do the stuff that my business needs, right? You've still got to do Morgan. You've still got to run your business or your job or whatever you're sitting doing when you're listening, right? So you cannot then, for me, and it's really personal to be using this new knowledge as an excuse not to, I think that there's a difference between an excuse and a reason. Absolutely, and most people don't understand it. There is a reason I cannot get my diary right, but I will not that, use that as an excuse not to have a go. Because the excuse piece goes, oh, I can't do my diary, so I'm not going to bother. Or there's also an argument for, I can't do my diary, but someone, someone else, else is can, really good at it. Which is the way <laughs> access to work works. So we bring people in then to help us to do the things we can't do. But you can talk yourself into a lifelong empty vessel of excuses if mm -hmm. that's where you choose to sit and I, mm -hmm. that, that I really struggle with that because I would mm -hmm. just sit in my bed all the time mm -hmm. and and how we manage our mental health and obviously most people with neurodivergent anythings we suffer from poor mental health as well mm -hmm. and it's really really easy to get in a cycle mm -hmm. of really poor mental health mm -hmm. hence celebrate difference hence the name of the company celebrate mm -hmm. difference hence mm -hmm. the community we built hence making sure people don't feel alone with this stuff because mm -hmm. it's you feel really isolated mm -hmm. uh, especially when you find out i mean for you mm -hmm. like when we find out this stuff it is like revelationary shocking lush oh my gosh i've got all the answers oh my gosh i have to live like this till i die <laughs> I, and, and that obviously and that's probably a little bit Absolute. of autism black white no, in there right so yay mm -hmm. oh <laughs> like and the, it's there's nothing in between there is no gray mm -hmm. And that's on some days, on difficult days, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Well, every day it's hard, as mm -hmm. you well know, but, you know, mm -hmm. but we need to celebrate it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that thing about the excuse versus a reason, it's tricky for yourself, but it's also difficult, I think, for other people to understand because it Absolutely. is a hidden disability. Yeah. And so, like, the way I now manage my time, and when you came in, you said to me, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm great, I'm fantastic, I'm living my best life. And that is because of the changes mm -hmm. that I've made from understanding my brain. Mm -hmm. And so the thing around um, the executive dysfunction um, and that for all ADHD is you'll have an up to 30% delay in executive function. I now treat every day like an executive function marathon where I'm so selective with the things I do in terms of how much executive function is that going to require and wow. can someone else do that for me? Do I need to do that? And so I try to now, it's like an addiction. <laughs> I try to now only do the things that only I can do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the opposite effect for me in terms of, you know, you were saying, oh, if I just use it as an excuse, I would never get out of bed kind of thing. For me, it's like I'm excited because I'm going to get up today and I'm going to do the things that only I can do that energize me that I'm really good at. And I'm not going to have all these draining things where I'm beating myself up for the fact that it's taken me 45 minutes to write an email and I've been on LinkedIn and I've read, oh, look, that's an interesting offer from Tesco. It's so empowering to hear you say it because that... If, with all the training I've done with all the business people who I've worked with, and there are thousands of them, the one thing that has to be made true is you have to set your stall out. You have to be in charge of yourself in your business. And it is up to you to determine that, neurodivergent or not. Mm -hmm. So the piece of work we're doing with Dorm University about um, the deterioration of self-worth what seems really obvious to me is that if you're not well, your business is not going to thrive or mm -hmm. if you're in employment, you can't thrive. Mm -hmm. You know, so we're doing all this research. We've been working on it for 18 months and, 
you know, at the end of the day, if you're not okay, if you do not do the things that you love, then your business is not going to flourish and thrive. Mm -hmm. Neither are you going to flourish and thrive in employment. It's different, you know. But if you're self-employed, you have the opportunity to do exactly what you're asking. Now, that takes a lot of courage and it also takes a lot of deprogramming from the whole of society that has told you what to do. You have to work nine to five. You have to be this productive. You must do this. You must do that. You must. There is a list of all the musts in there. You have to do this. You must do that. You must take an hour for lunch. You must do this. Shoulds. Right. All the shoulds, which is a word that's banned in our place, as you well know. The shoulds. Right. But your employer would dictate that before your employer. It was university dictating that. Your school Mm -hmm. dictated that. Your parents told you how to live when you were very small. We live a life of being told how to live our life Mm -hmm. in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And then start working for yourself and make your own choices. People don't know how to do it. And it takes a lot of courage to say, you know, in my case, I can't work between three and five. I'm going to sit on the couch under a blanket Mm -hmm. or I'll change the kind of work. Mm -hmm. But I can work then mm-hmm. between seven and ten instead. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of courage to actually actually own that decision. I think, yeah, I, th- I feel really fortunate for the role that I'm in. So my job is I am a business psychologist and I am a trained coach. Mm-hmm. So I can take the information about, okay, so I've learned about executive dysfunction, for example, okay, what does that mean to me? I'm going to ask myself loads of coaching mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. And then what do I know about how pe- how businesses perform effectively? Mm-hmm. Well, I know this, that, and the other. So I'm then going to apply that information yeah. in that like yeah. scientific approach. Yeah. But I'm in a really unique, totally. lucky position to be 100%. a person who, when I got diagnosed, had all that stuff literally in my head at my disposal. Yeah. Um, whereas I think it takes... Um, it's just not a normal it's not a normal thing to learn about something and then be able to process it in that mm-hmm. way and so i think one of the things that was great about access to work and that celebrate difference are um giving to so many people is coaching yeah. adhd specific coaching allows you to think about why is my brain how is my brain different and what do i want to do differently and that's all we've got right so celebrate difference was set up after my journey so i'm i was 45 struggled all my life. I'm female, I'm blonde. There are lots of things I've gone through because of all of those, which perhaps others wouldn't, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking there's got to be other people, not necessarily gender-based, but there's got to be other people like me who've got late diagnosis, who've struggled all of this time, who I can take what I've learned because I'm very passionate about speaking openly about this Mm -hmm. stuff and, and help those people. And Celebrate Difference came from that, from the learned experience that I've got, the lived experience I've got. Mm -hmm. The trauma I went through when I was offered help because mm-hmm. getting access to work, which if you don't know is a is a government grant for those of us who have additional needs, whether that is physical or mental health wise, to help you thrive at work and stay. It's about staying in employment or self-employment, right? So someone comes along after I've worked since I was 15, what's that, 30 odd years, and they're going to give you this pot of money and, and like you can have some help. Mm-hmm. But you've struggled for 30 years. And then, so then you have to cope with the emotional fallout of that moment, mm-hmm. which is massive. It is huge. Having the coaches there mm-hmm. to actually sit you down and go, okay, I, I recognize that this has happened to you. I'm going to coach you through this. Mm-hmm. We also have disability impact nurses mm-hmm. who who have come out of the NHS, they're now private, who can take you through those mm-hmm. moments where you're sitting there going, eh? Well, I've struggled all this time and I've managed. I don't need help. Oh, I do need help because I've struggled all this time. <laughs> yeah. uh, shit, what do I do? And I think 
I think that for us as an organisation is the key piece. We'll fight and fight and fight to get what you deserve and what you're entitled to, mm-hmm. but then we'll help manage, manage and manage the outcome and the fallout of that because mm-hmm. it's massive. Mm-hmm. It's life-changing, mm-hmm. huge. And I speak to a lot of people who like seem to have some sort of like guilt around well, yes, the access to work. You... Oh, the government's giving me all this money, oh. but I'm not really disabled. No, I'm not disabled. I've managed to get into this it. position. Because mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of ADHD is they're not living to their potential, but they're doing really, really well because they're very impressive Absolutely well. people. And, and have given into society. And a lot of us are caregivers. So a lot of us will be in vocational jobs. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are teachers and nurses and all these things. And, and you know, we, we care so deeply for other people that we, we that's what we're there for. And in fact, if I think across the whole of our community, I do not know very many people who aren't in some kind of vocational piece that helping someone else. Mm-hmm. You, what you're doing, helping mm-hmm. people in their business, helping them. There are so many of us. And, you know, to then think, well, no, I'll get through. It's all right. But you're ashamed. You've gone into your shame spiral. You can't possibly ask for help. You can't accept help. You don't deserve help. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear me. How do you fight with that when you know that you could live your potential Mm-hmm. my potential is being realised now because I know what's happening. Up until three years ago, I was all right and I was cracking on and I worked with hundreds of people doing all of this stuff, but it wasn't my potential. It wasn't close to my potential. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not there yet. And I, I don't actually know what my potential is because it's a word given you by school. <laughs> Your child is not reaching their potential in uh-huh. their report. Uh-huh. Your child is a little bit distracted in their report. Mm-hmm. We are told about our potential when we're very, very small with nobody explaining what the <laughs> hell that means. It's just a word. So and it's, oof, it's difficult. So in terms of how it feels, so this is something that completely resonates with me mm-hmm. of feeling stuck. So that's why I've set up ADHD Impact as a podcast yeah. and as a business. Yeah. Is this? I felt like in the rest of my life, my relationships, my friendships, my got a lovely family, a great husband, lovely kids, but my career always felt stuck I was Mm -hmm. doing all right like you say Mm -hmm. but it was was always hard how would you describe the difference of how you were working before versus how you work now so it was chaotic before and now it's controlled chaos (laughs) and there was a very big difference when you are controlling your chaos versus you are just in chaos because you're out of control. So what we have established, so for those of you who don't know Celebrate Difference, our entire team are neurodivergent in one form or another. So that's, I don't know, 11 of us. Um, we all need a level of chaos to perform. So we work at a higher, faster, bit more chaotic rate than most. And and I've worked in many different places, so I know the way we, we work is unique. But there is a difference between finding out that sweet spot where it's busy enough to stop you getting bored and you're charging about doing good stuff versus utter chaos. Mm-hmm. And I was chaotic before. Mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. through. I did more right than wrong or else I wouldn't be sitting here with you now. But now I do a lot more right than wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, so being able to go, actually, if I am talking to six people at once on LinkedIn and I'm doing this and and then I've got this and I've got this and that's my that's how I work. That's how mm-hmm. I work best. Mm-hmm. But I can't do my admin and I kind of do the diary. So I'll pass that to someone else. Mm-hmm. But equally, I get really tired of people saying slow down. Oh, my gosh, I can't slow down. I don't want to slow down mm-hmm. and I can't slow down and I don't mm-hmm. want to slow down because because that's how you think I should work. Mm-hmm. But how I know I have to work is at the speed of light. Mm-hmm. 
but not any more than that. And you mm. have to work out your sweet spot. You have to work out how much vibe and energy and stuff has to happen around you to make yourself work at your best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I accept the tired piece with that. Mm-hmm. But what I can get done in the morning mm-hmm. is like nobody's business. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's it's hard work, though, working that out. And again, this permission to allow yourself to work in the way that you need to work. Oh, yeah, since I've been diagnosed and I've come back to work, I'd say compared to what I was doing pre-diagnosis, I do at least four times more work mm-hmm. now, at least mm-hmm. in way less time. Absolutely. And I finish my working day. I'm mm-hmm. not exhausted when I finish mm-hmm. work. I finish working, like, I actually want to do stuff. And I'm like, eh. I used to look at people and be like, you're making plans after work. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you not just going home and, like, feeling exhausted till you sleep you're allowed to go to sleep? <laughs> but then understanding now and this executive function marathon that I described and taking breaks and doing things like, so I've got this, um, I've got this scent diffuser, like, having things that, like, calm me down mm-hmm. and keep me in my body mm-hmm. rather than this constant racing. Mm-hmm. And like you say, that, that narrative at school of, needs to try harder, needs to concentrate more. For me, when things were going wrong, I wasn't achieving enough. It was like, must try harder, need to concentrate more. For me, I needed to do less. So it's interesting the difference. Change your narrative because what does try harder mean? Does it mean do more of what that person is telling you to do? So, you know, you've written two pages, you need to write a third page. Or you haven't sat still for long enough. What does try harder mean? It is their perception of what hard is. Mm -hmm. It is their perception of what lazy is. Mm -hmm. It is their perception of what enough or not enough is. Mm-hmm. For us as ADHDs in a school environment specifically, we're trying harder than any other any other kid around us who is not with a spiky brain because the effort of even being there is so mm-hmm. hard. So, so, and I have this with some family at the minute, you know, try harder. They've got to try harder. They're trying so damn hard mm-hmm. just by being there and you have no appreciation of the work it is and takes just to be there in that situation. Mm-hmm. When you are sensorily slammed with the lights and the noises and the smells and the banging and the teacher saying this and 62 instructions and you've forgotten the first one (laughs) by the way and even with little kids go here take your wellies off hang your coat up then come in then sit down on the mat right so i'm talking when i was teaching four-year-olds you're giving kids a a list of what you think is really basic instruction but the six or seven or eight instructions Mm -hmm. well if you can only take two instructions in Mm -hmm. take your coat off right now you've got your coat off, hang it up. Right. Now you've hung your coat up, come through this door. Mm. Now you're through the door, sit down. You give those kids that list of instruction they can't remember. And then what happens is they get mm. wrong because they've gone off and they haven't taken the still got off. their wellies on. And they've still got their wellies on and they're diggy dancing Aww. about because they can't remember. <laughs> this is life for kids who are new or spicy. Mm. Right? And, and, then, and then they get told to try harder. Mm. I feel like I need to apologise for all of the education system right now because it's really wrong. Yeah, I hadn't even... So I I know I do... So I'm quite cautious with my daughter, Lily, Mm -hmm. because she's um, definitely wired differently. I don't know in what way. but um, Beautifully and celebrated. Oh, she's she's absolutely Mm -hmm. wonderful joy to Mm -hmm. be around. But I do... uh, When you get in the house, just take your off, put it on the hook, take your wellies off, and then she goes into the house with the wellies on, and I'm like, darling, why have you not taken your wellies off? I told you to take your wellies off. But that's such a good point. How many instructions have you given her? And it seems to me, even as an educated person who's working Mm -hmm. in this, that 
seems just like reasonable, but that's that's such a good point. And then she's probably feeling bad about herself. Like when I'm saying, darling, it was just a simple thing. Don't remind us again, mum. I can do it, mum. You know. So if you think about those moments, they've got all that world, um, that world that is distracting them as well. So you stand mm-hmm. there. I don't know. Maybe you've come in from school. You stand having a look around. You're little. You're you're pleased to be home. You've got all the smells mm-hmm. and all the niceness. And you are entirely distracted by this this wonderfulness, hopefully, of being safe at home mm. with six or five or four instructions to do the things that mm. should be just normal. Mm-hmm. But what happens if you don't want to take your wellies off because they make you feel nice? What happens if your coat is so snuggly and comfy you don't want to take your coat off? You've been mm-hmm. told three times to take your coat off. But if you've got sensory issues and your coat's nice and tight and keeping you warm, mm-hmm. why would you want to take your coat off? Mm-hmm. So this language we mm-hmm. use, and I love how you explain an executive function because, so <laughs> the other day I had a conversation with my husband along our corridor at work. I was going to the shop to get the tea to do the stuff, right? Go to the shop, Nicola. I'll have a lock up, Nicola. You get the curry stuff down the road and I'll see you at home. Go walk to the end of the corridor, walked into the car, drove home, had not remembered in the four seconds from that end of the corridor at the other end. Of. So... How it impacts life, this mm-hmm. stuff, is we had no tea. Mm-hmm. I hate shopping and I hate food and I've got loads of issues with both. But it took me to turn around to forget the level of instruction I'd been given and mm-hmm. the agreement we had made mm-hmm. to get tea mm-hmm. took us to turn around to forget. Mm-hmm. Imagine those kids mm-hmm. who are the same as us. You mm-hmm. turn around and you've forgotten what's been said. Mm-hmm. It's a basic human <laughs> function to eat. Mm-hmm. I, I just drove home and I was ringing him mm-hmm. going well I've come home I've got no tea and he's like right oh I'll just go to the shop then will I <laughs> right and he's so patient and so beautiful and brilliant and I love him so much because there's never any judgement and we live in a world where we're judged all the time but imagine at work you're given a couple mm-hmm. of instructions you have turned around forgotten it and you let work down yeah. you don't finish your tasks and the ramifications of that are massive mm-hmm. and you're doing it from it's been yeah. doing this since you were young, you being were constantly, little, constantly, constantly told, constantly told, or someone's always got your back. Someone has always body doubling you, your parents, your aunties, your friends. Someone has always there to tell you. At school, I had a friend who brought pens and pencils for me because I Aww. could not get to school every day with the right kit. That's I was so going every day. She just brought double. Oh, I, I, mean, I mean, it is sweet, but also <laughs> you would assume that after all your years in education, you'd managed to bring a pencil and a projector and a thing. Nope. Because uh-huh. it never occurred to me every day to take them. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. had stuff ready for me. Have you got one of these? Yeah, here's yours. Oh. <laughs> oh. But then you feel daft, don't you? You feel stupid. Oh, yeah. You feel, oh, honestly, you just feel that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that pressure of trying to get it right. Mm-hmm. If I have to remember to take me pens and pencils, what else would I have forgotten? Well, just with a bag, probably, do you know? Yeah. And it comes back to that perfectionist thing. So I was talking um, um, with someone else I know from this ADHD field, and we were talking about perfectionism, but it's easy to see how you can slip into it when simple, like, Mm -hmm. simple Mm -hmm. things, you're doing it wrong all the time, so then you become in this really, like, vigilant about everything Everything. because you could make a mistake at any second look really stupid get told off be shamed feel Mm -hmm. shame yourself Mm -hmm. because you've Mm -hmm. just been going through it for so for so long long, it is just like it's something i can honestly say i've never been trying to do or never acknowledged perfectionism i wouldn't even know what that likes i live in the opposite of i just know i'm going to get shit wrong but i'm really comfy with that but probably now when you look back when i was always been like that no not at all not at all. It's broken my heart, all the things I've done wrong all my life. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just like, yep, yeah, nah, 
Yep, I'm not going to get there. Yes, the instructions that you sent for this were extraordinary. There's no way I could have ever sent a list of instructions like you did to me. But um, Ashley, did Ashley, Ashley do them? Did thanks. I edited them. I was going to say. based on her. Right, but I mean, Ash as well. So the instructions, marvellous. And I read two lines of them because there were that many pages. And I've got my arms up to the ceiling now. Um, that I didn't, I scanned it, couldn't look at it. And I found the absolute bit I needed. So that's why I put in the email to you. I know these instructions are really long. Literally, these are just the two yeah. things that I need to know about. And that was perfect adjustment for me. I'm going to ask you this. This is this. Get here by this time. <laughs> and the piece, I've looked at it about six times. And it Was it 11 o'clock? Was it 11 o'clock? I think it's 12 o'clock. It's, it's 11 o'clock? No, it's 11 o'clock. And have to be here an hour early. So I've been downstairs for 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. I'm late. I'm late. I couldn't be late for anything. Oh, oh my God. Oh, that's amazing. So with this lifetime of having to do things differently, what are some of the real strengths that you see in ADHD? I haven't got enough time. Honestly, honestly, the joy, the joy and the the quickness and the empathy, the empathy. Can we just dismiss the notion that autistic people and people with ADHD, whatever, have no empathy? Because I, I... have seen empathy like nothing else in my team. The way they care, the way they think, the way they look out for, the things that they notice that you'd never noticed. It is almost like childlike because little kids notice mm-hmm. everything at their level, which is down there. And we stop seeing it as growing up. So you have to get down to kids' levels to see what they see. And the way my team see things, it's just extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, the speed at which we can work, the diligence when we're on it. So when it's our chosen, nominated, perfect thing, I mean, the effort and the graft, it's just endless. The list of things to celebrate are endless. The kindness and the compassion. Mm -hmm. Proper human stuff. Mm -hmm. Proper human. And without judgment, mostly. Mm -hmm. Just acceptance of other people because we're in this world that all we want to do is help. So we're not going to judge you. And it doesn't matter what you look like and all of that kind of stuff. We're not perfect at all. But I refuse to live in a world where all I see is our difficulties. Mm-hmm. The team that we've built around us are there. Half of them didn't know they were ADHD, by the way, till I got there. But never mind. <laughs> Moving on. Um, it's just ex- exemplary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is. There's so many positive things. And when I hear people, you know, out of all of the stats that you read... ADHDers are the least likely to get employed, mm-hmm. right? They're at the literal bottom of the pile because mm-hmm. it's un- misunderstood. You think people are going to, like, I don't know, be seven and bouncing off the walls or whatever it is people do assume. We, me, me, I'm the least likely to get employed mm-hmm. or want to be worked with than mm-hmm. any other type of person. Mm-hmm. And yet, look at what I've done and created with mm-hmm. the people who I've created it with. Mm-hmm. You're missing a trick, by the way, if you're an employer listening to this and you're scared of employing people like me because we're bloody great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So for me, now I see ADHD as a reason I would want to work with someone. Yes. So, for example, I had a baby 10 months ago and I was looking for a doula, um, which is basically a coach for giving birth. And I spoke to a few different people. And then I spoke to this one girl and um, she she tried to call me on WhatsApp and I messaged her saying... And I don't have all my notifications turned off, so I don't get calls on WhatsApp. And I said, oh, sorry, I didn't see your call because we'd like arranged the time. It's like, sorry, I didn't see your call because I've turned all my notifications off because I have ADHD and they distract me. Um, so can you just call me on the normal phone? And then she rang me and she was like, oh, I have ADHD too. And like, I was That's like, it. right, okay, so 
for me, I was like, you are going to be so caring. You're going to be so dedicated yeah. to yeah. any issue that I have. And you should just like research it and it, she would want to find like the solution to any. And I had a very complicated pregnancy. So I was like, you'll want to find out all the solutions. You won't rest yeah. until, <laughs> until yeah. you have. You'll be like so caring, so compassionate. She was so interesting as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I find with a lot of ADHD is that they're really funny. So if I'm going to be in the hospital with you for like maybe two days in a really bad situation because I'm ejecting a human being from my body. Nice. I probably (laughs) want to be with someone who's quite entertaining. Yes, 100%. And so now in terms of the people I want to work with, there are some things where I think you've got ADHD, you're probably not the right person for this. It's very attention to detail or we would be just end up talking for the whole day. We should definitely certain things where I think, yes, it's good. I want to work with neurotypical people. But for me, I see so many strengths now in myself, in all the people I coach, that I'm just like, if you have any ADHD, like that's, you're already like so far ahead of anyone else I would choose to work mm-hmm. with because of all of the strengths yeah. that it brings with it. Um, and I was speaking with somebody recently and they said, oh, and they're a really creative person. And they were like, oh, I think I might have ADHD. And I was thinking, oh, I hope so. Because I really <laughs> want to work with you and it'll be <laughs> it'll be even better. You're really good, but it'd be even better if you did have ADHD because I just see it now. And I would, I, I think two years ago, I'd never, I didn't know really. I was one of those people who probably thought like ADHD is a people's jumping out of planes and they can't, and setting fire to things. That was probably I mean, my understanding. I've done neither, although I do like a oh, bit I'm of flame. I'm terrified of heights, absolutely terrified. <laughs> I'm not jumping out of any planes. Seeing that, I did set set my hair on fire in the bath on a candle, so I'm saying I've never done any fiery type things. Talk about executive uh, misfunction. <laughs> set this candle, put it behind my head, lay on it, set my fa- hair on fire, squiggled down into the water because I was in the bath, so that was okay, and then kind of sat there going... How did you even forget you lit the candle straight away and then you lay in it? Well done. That was a prime moment. <laughs> that we've got short hair. Yeah. Just for yeah, safety. In hair smells, if you ever set your hair on fire, it smells and has a very distinct smell. Mm. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that that is something that is becoming more into the fore of what are the strengths mm-hmm. of ADHD is. But I don't think, I think if people could genuinely understand it and see all the strengths then ADHDs would be the most employed not the least employable so here we flip this round if if our assumption of a set of people is the list of deficits why Mm -hmm. so we don't have an assumption of people who have um, neurotypical brains as a list of deficits so why is there an assumption out and about that people with ADHD are this and therefore that Mm -hmm. where on earth does that come from because you don't look at a human being and think of them as a list of deficits. And yet, people like me are a list of deficits. You can't concentrate, you know, you talk too much, Nicola, you're wiggling your hands all the time, Nicola, you're too bossy, Nicola. I mean, the things people see, people like me, as a, as a list of problems. But you don't look at other people with a list of problems. Imagine if it was like, right, well, you've not, like, for a neurotypical, so like, say, well, you've not got enough energy, you're not as creative yeah. as some people, you, you're you not as so. empathetic, you can't hyper-focus, so I'm sorry. Exactly that. Exactly <laughs> that. So if you take the opposite, it doesn't make any sense, does it? It nah. just makes no sense to make a sweeping judgment, although this is the world over and I don't want to talk mm-hmm. about that because I'll never stop. 
why do we make these sweeping judgments on certain sections of society? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a m- much bigger global conversation, but to assume people like me are a list of problems, mm-hmm. y- you know, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm capable of. Forehead flick. Douche. Away. <laughs> yeah, I've, never, I've never even, even though I like, I've taken a very strength-based approach, I've never thought about how insane it actually is. It is not common sense when you flip it. I've sworn mm-hmm. a couple of times. Flip the shit. When you flip it around from the other perspective, it makes very little sense to mm-hmm. judge people on the list of negative deficits. And you don't look at anybody else, Mm-mm. the rest of society in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But therefore, disabled people, and I know a few wheelchair users, that's all that's seen. Mm-hmm. I see your wheelchair, therefore you can't walk. And before you even know the name, you've judged a person on what they can't do. Mm-hmm. Why? That is really awful when you think of it like that so one of the things that I mentioned at the start is about the the difference that access to work has made to me and to my life um could you just tell us a bit about what access to work is Mm -hmm. and why you thought that was important for Celebrate Difference to help people with so there is a pot of money put aside by the government to help those of us with additional needs disabilities physical mental health whatever it is to stay in work to be employed, to have meaningful meaningful employment. Now, what this money is designed to do is to help you where you struggle. And those struggles are, you know, it is not like because you've forgotten a couple of things and you think you're a bit forgetful. This mm-hmm. is about real life struggles on a daily basis that you can't fix if you tried for love no money in, in our in our world. But but for every gamut of every kind of disability going, this pot of money is there and you make an application and you have workplace assessment and you have to talk to the advisors and you have to tell them everything that's wrong with you and what you can't do. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully at the end of that, uh, uh, the outcome is a coach, um, some kit, mm-hmm. and if you really look, you some face-to-face support, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a five-month process, at least, from start to finish. It's harrowing, mm-hmm. and I think I would use that word, it's harrowing. So what we do is we take people through every single step of that process and look after them mm-hmm. to, to then fight, and we do fight an awful lot, to get the outcome that we know we are deserving of. Mm-hmm. If you imagine everything that you really struggle with, and I mean, I don't know, like really, really properly struggle with, those workplace support people are there to help you do it. Mm-hmm. And if you absolutely can't do it... Mm-hmm to do it for you mm-hmm. but the split is it's something like 80% I won't have all the facts right although Joanne Stanton who you definitely must talk to would have all mm-hmm. the facts right she is our absolute expert on this it's something like 80% support to facilitate you to achieve mm-hmm. in your work 20% mm-hmm. if you absolutely can't do it mm-hmm. so I absolutely can't manage my diary it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how hard how how much effort I, I will triple book myself I'll, mm-hmm. oh, it's just a nightmare so I would have, I have someone to do that. I'm going to mm-hmm. next week. Yay. Mm-hmm. Hello, Lindsay. Um, someone to actually take that function away from me because mm-hmm. I can't get it right. And mm-hmm. then I look like a right fool when I've triple booked myself and someone and everybody's important and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But there are other things that those support workers can do to enable me to do stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm never clearing down the 6,000 emails, but if someone was sitting next to me and body doubling me, I'd have a better chance of getting the really important ones actioned. Mm-hmm. So the access to work is is all about enablement for you to be employed, self-employed and to thrive. And so you describe the experience as harrowing. Yes. What do you mean by that? 
Imagine that you've got a very short attention span and you can't decipher notes very well and actually filling in a form is really difficult for you and you go online and they're asking for everything. You need your date of birth, you need your address, you need this, you need that, you need all this detail and that's just the first page. Mm -hmm. It's not a system that has been designed for people with um, difficulties. So you need help to pull that report together to say what your challenges are. Mm -hmm. You need help to tick the right boxes. We need the practical, operational practicalities of filling in an application mm -hmm. are really challenging for ADHD as neurodivergent people because, because it's just not set up for people like us. Mm -hmm. The waiting time. Imagine you're sitting there and you've got to wait five months. I mean, I can't remember how long yours took. On average, it's five months to be given this decision mm -hmm. that could actually change your work and life. Mm -hmm. How do you manage yourself for five months waiting around for that? Mm -hmm. well, am I going to get it? Am I not getting it? Am I worthy? Mm -hmm. Did I answer it right? Did mm -hmm. I put the right? Did I put enough in? Did I not put enough in? Mm -hmm. Then part of the process is your workplace assessment. So someone has to come and if they come out, they'll measure you for a chair, for example, or they'll look at your working environment. Otherwise, they're having this conversation on Zoom. You have to remember what you put in the reports to then tell this person what kind of kit you need. Mm -hmm. Well, are you going to remember what you said three or four months ago? Mm -hmm. it, it, is, it is not fit for purpose. It absolutely isn't. And many of the advisors that we talk to on a daily basis simply do not know the whole rules of this grant mm. as well as our Joanne does. Mm. So they will say no often. And she will say, well, actually, on page 42, uh -huh. paragraph 31, <laughs> this is what the rule is. Mm -hmm. She's absolutely I think she might have done mine. She's extraordinary. With her, me? Yeah. Well, her knowledge, her hyper-focus is on getting it right. Mm -hmm. And so often, often Joanne will, and she wishes not for this, but she will know more than the advisor from DWP who's making the decision on the yes or no. Mm -hmm. So our service is there to fight and fight and fight and get people through it and to mm -hmm. get what we are entitled to. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's not pleasant. Now, mm -hmm. I know loads of people have done it themselves. There's no way on this earth I would have got my access to work through if I'd had to do it by myself. No way. Mm -hmm. 100% Yeah, me no. too. Anyway. And not the same things. So one of the things that now you're saying about Joanna and everything. So I have an issue where I have an office and then I also have a home. Yeah. <laughs> and I never wanted to take my computer and stuff from my office to my home mm -hmm. because then I might forget take it back we'll end up on the bus going around a field <laughs> or somewhere exactly and so um when I was on the call I explained this and I was saying I can't do work at home except if it's on my phone but then that's really faffy and I've also got this back problem and it was this whole thing and then the girl said um and I was saying so could I get another computer and then I would be able to have one in each place and I wouldn't have to have this anxiety around moving them and also setting them up for me for some Tremendous. reason feels like this massive thing oh, massive. um and then that blocks me from doing work and so the girl was like, oh, we could give you a bag. And I was like, I've got a bag. <laughs> thank you. For, thank, thank you anyway. <laughs> thanks for the offer. It's not the bag. It's not the tra actual transporting it. It's the fact. It's the anxiety around it. It's the resetting it up. It's all these like mental blockers. And then Joanne was, Joanne was like the one who said, like, this is part of it, having ADHD. Mm -hmm. Like she actually, mm -hmm. like she can't, it's not just in her head. She can't do this. Mm -hmm. So I think based on that you should be able to get her another computer and so then because of her if I'd just been that myself mm. I'd have been like well yeah, I don't need okay. the bag but oh, it doesn't matter then it doesn't, you're not going to give us it so it doesn't I'll just buy then. it myself or yeah, yeah. whatever um, where yeah. she was able to help me with that so that's that's really 
that was really helpful. What about in terms of the emotional experience of it? So what about the people who you're talking to at um, DWP? Are they trained in like neurodiversity? I've got no idea. I'm going to say not. <laughs> I mean, based on our current and absolute experience over two years. Look, I've got no idea. I, I don't know what you know, DWP's KPIs are or how much money they've got or what the budget they've got off the government or what people on the phones are doing. You know, we only can understand our side of it. So our side is to know as much as possible to make sure as many of them go through as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's all we've got because you only get a couple of goals. If you do it wrong twice, you never get it. Oh, really? Mm. Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. There is only a couple of goals. And and so you've got to get it right. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I would love to go on a DWP and train all of the staff on the phones that you are making life-changing yeses or noes for life-changing purposes for people who you actually want to be able to work in society. Mm -hmm. So if you give them this bit of help, it'll be better, right? Mm -hmm. So it different be so easy to say no. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I can't talk for them. Mm -hmm. I know our experience... With some of the advisors, the gorgeous man, the people, yeah. you know, all people are lush. Mine was really, my yeah. person from DWP was yeah. really helpful, yeah. really yeah. nice. Yeah. And it can be, it's like any part of any society. Do you know what I mean? Some people are very diligent. Some people are kind of there for just being there and some people aren't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it is a tricky one though, because it's, it's, as you say, it supports so many additional needs. How can these people be experts on yeah, yeah, yeah. everything? But one of the things I liked about working with Celebrate Difference is, I didn't feel like I had to apologise for saying, no. oh, I can't take my laptop home. Or like, oh, I find mm -hmm. this, I find it really hard to not get distracted when I go on my emails. Like, because you know that that person at Celebrate Difference understands, yeah. you don't feel as no. stupid. And that, I found that really valuable part of the experience. And that for me is really good to hear because our lived experience allows us, I think, to better fight for our clients, mm -hmm. right? To put ourselves genuinely in our client's shoes, mm -hmm. to work on their behalf, to be their voice, to advocate in every, soul, every inch of our soul mm -hmm. because we have the same problems. Mm -hmm. I have two computers. Mm -hmm. I have two for the computers same for the same reason and I've stopped going in the loft. So now I've got a lovely computer that's utterly wasted. So, <laughs> you know, I have two computers because the idea of unplugging one, getting it in a bag, getting it home, un taking it out and unplugging it. I mean, there's five or six or seven or 12 steps. It ain't, it ain't going to happen because by the time I've got home and walked into that environment, well, you've got all the other distractions of being at home that are far stronger than actually going up to the loft and setting your computer up and finding the cable that I've lost and, oh, it's not plugged in. And, and what's if you gone left wrong? it in the car. So my gorgeous friend Gav, if you're listening, I did two training sessions, three. I think three times I have taken my kit to stand in front of a room, an audience in one case of over 100 people and didn't plug the computer in and didn't have a cable. And he has in Anik twice gone and run and bought me another one, legged it Gav photographer legged it for us, uh -huh. gone and bought us another cable. And I was presenting in front of a hundred people and it died and he legged it to the cupboard, got my <laughs> cable and plugged me in. And what what a foolish like you feel so stupid because a computer clearly is not gonna last all day if it's not charged up. Mm -hmm. So you take the cable, yeah? Mm -hmm. Where's the cable? Mm -hmm. I have got Dozens of cables to plug If anyone into my needs laptops. a cable, honestly, Nicholas. we have thousands <laughs> of them, and then I'd have to find them. <laughs> oh my days, Jamie! So I ended mm -hmm. up with a spare of everything in the boot, and that's all obviously. That's costs, all I've, you know. Yeah, for of course, the, of course, the, the cost of having of it. Um. So we we've run. I mean, over, we're way over time. <laughs> yeah. Half an hour. 
to make sure you've got 45 minutes. No, I said it was going to be 45 45 minutes. minutes. So, But if you tell me this half an hour, because you know it's 45 uh, minutes, you know you can run over by 15. Insight. But my expectation is set at half an hour. Perfect. There's a little tip Still as well. <laughs> so my final two questions that I okay. ask everybody. So the first one is, what would be your number one tip would you give to those employing people with ADHD to help them to achieve their potential at work? When you interview the people, look at them for the strengths. Full stop, end of story. Do not be worried about the fidget on or all of the stuff. Please just consider each human as a human with strengths because otherwise they wouldn't be sitting in front of you being interviewed for a job. Don't be put off mm-hmm. because you have a narrative that someone else has given you. Wait to meet the person before mm-hmm. making a judgment. Mm-hmm. That's great. Full stop. Or, or every human. And what tip would you give to ADHDers themselves to help them to make the impact that they want to at work? You've got to know yourself. It's really simple. If you're masking, and you might not even know this, if you do not know yourself, you, you cannot know your strengths. Mm-hmm. You cannot know what you're good at truly good at what lights you up and what you're passionate with if you're pretending you're something you're not Mm -hmm. Uh, you just can't and how do you do that how do you find out what you're good at how do you know yourself I guess through okay so through my lived experience the things that always came out in every job I had was how much I just wanted to help people so I took that as the first step what I am here to do is to help others whether that was school children or people find a job when I was working in recruitment or when I worked in retail and I had to take all the returns back <laughs> or what I do now or training people on social media or whatever it was. My core self and humanness is about helping others. And if that's there, I can pretty much do as long as I've created it, uh, many, many things. Mm-hmm. But if I don't have that piece, then I, I, I just, um, what's the point of getting out of bed? So I think recognising the two or three things that are always there through every job that you do, through every piece. We, we did it as a team, so you go back through your last however many jobs you've had. Mm-hmm. What is that core commonality coming through? Mm-hmm. What is the thing that you always must have? Mm-hmm. What is the thing that makes you feel like you want to get out of bed and bother? Mm-hmm. And then what are the jobs that allow you that? And don't be scared of self-employment because, honestly, for those of us who need this level of control and freedom and mm-hmm. the able to spark and work at three o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. self-employment is a really good choice of employment. And then you've got people like you. And then come and, and find us. They too support you. Come and find the other ADHDs because the absolute thing is, mm-hmm. is when you've got the right community in your tribe, like you can have a right good time. Yeah. No, it is. Isn't it? It's, it's, it's all just life-changing. Um, so sadly, I could actually talk to you all day, but we have run out of time today. Um, but if people want to know more about Celebrate Difference, more about you, where can they find you? Celebratedifference.co.uk and all of the appropriate channels, not TikTok because I'm too old, but Instagram <laughs> or Facebook or LinkedIn are good places and it's Celebrate Difference ADHD. If you are an ADHD, please join our private group on Facebook because of some hellish conversations going on there, um, which I do actually turn the notifications off for that one because it's like, um, yeah, just find the website, find us, have a look at us. Come find us. We do events every single month, mm-hmm. um, topic based events that are really pertinent to how we can better live our lives mm-hmm. and everybody's welcome. Absolutely. That's great. And yeah, and that event was um one of your events was the first time where I felt like I didn't have to pretend yeah. and I realised like what that fe- that feels it's like. It's funny, so, isn't it? It's weird, isn't it? It's it was hard, really, like, it's hardcore. It was really strange being like, oh, I've been, this is what it feels like not 
to pretend. Have to pretend. <laughs> There's tissues everywhere. We're going to get some branded tissues. They've got to be everywhere for the inevitable crying moment where someone has a real moment and then feels embarrassed because they're crying and we're like, where? No, man, everybody cries when they come to it. It's like a KPI, how many people can cry when they come in front of us. Different worry pet, it's fine. Well, that sounds good. So if you want to help Nicola achieve her KPIs, come along to the hub at Ponset and Cry. So yeah, um, Maybe we, that's not how we finish it. Oh, it's, it's true to life. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time, Nicola. Oh, it's a joy. Thank you so much for inviting us. And look how bouncy and lush you are, man. <laughs> When it's right, ADHD is unstoppable, right? That's where we're going to stop. Champion. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you want more information around this topic or details on the ways I support individuals in the workplace and help businesses to be more ADHD friendly, please go to ADHDimpact.com or follow me, Becca Brighty, on LinkedIn.